Hey, you're listening to the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. My name is Matthew Lilly. I'm the host of another podcast called Presence Pioneers. But we have this House of Prayer Leadership Podcast for you as a resource for leaders who are hosting prayer meetings in their city. These are recordings provided by Brad Stroop from the Prayer Room in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. And he's allowed us to take these training recordings and provide them to you as a free resource on this House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. Now, these are a number of years old, but they're going to provide some amazing practical training for anyone who's trying to organize people to pray, especially for multiple prayer meetings every week. And so we wanted to provide these to you as a resource, and I hope they're super helpful for you. We're so thankful to Brad Stroop and the Prayer Room in Dallas-Fort Worth for allowing us to repurpose these trainings. And if you'd like to connect to a podcast that's putting out new content on a regular basis, then we would love to have you also join us for the Presence Pioneers podcast, which is available on all platforms and is also available at presencepioneers.org. And the heart of the Presence Pioneers podcast is to equip you to host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. And so we have Bible teachings as well as interviews with leaders in the worship and prayer movement to help inspire you and equip you to host the presence of God. Please enjoy this session of the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast with Brad Stroop. All right. Uh, House of Prayer Leadership Track. We're doing... Uh, today on keeping the vision before the people, and this is session one, and session one is entitled, uh, Without Vision, the People Perish. And what we want to do in this session is, uh, or really this series, is we just want to talk about the importance of uh, vision, of um, people in the ministry, uh, specifically you as the leader, and then those that are a part of what you're doing, uh, having a vision for uh, building the house of prayer, having a vision for why they should be in prayer meetings, a vision for putting up with the difficulties of it all. And so uh, with that being the case, what we want to do is uh, we want to focus on the aspects of the vision that will be uh, most helpful. And we want to uh, encourage um, leaders to be thinking about how to uh, cast vision uh, as leaders of houses of prayer. So, uh, part one here, responsibility of the senior leader. So, uh, this whole uh, concept of these house of prayer leadership tracks is aimed at those that are going to be uh, the senior leader of a house of prayer or a praying church or some sort of praying ministry. And um, <clears throat> the call to keeping regular prayer meetings going is tough. Uh, it's uh, probably the hardest thing I've ever done in ministry. Um, because of the amount of responsibility and requirement that you're asking of people. It doesn't really uh, take much at all for people uh, to show up to a church service once a a week, but to keep people regularly involved in prayer meetings uh, is taking a lot of their time. It means that they're not able to do other things. Uh, It's uh, a a service setting. They just sit there and they kind of receive, but a prayer meeting, a lot of times they're having to give back or engage. Uh, a service setting that can kind of hide, um, but if you know they're in a small prayer meeting, uh, they can't really hide from people or from the Lord. And so it is a tough work uh, to call people into the place of prayer and to keep regular prayer meetings going. And so for, in order for people to stay the course of keeping that a priority in their life, they really have to be filled with revelation about why, about why is this important, about why they are doing it, about the impact that they're having. Uh, about the big picture, because if all they see is that broken little room with you and them and one or two other people or five or 10 other people, uh, it's very easy for them to lose their way. So it's essential that as leaders of prayer ministries, that we are able to clearly present the vision of what it is that we're doing and that we not just present that vision once, but that we find ways to keep the vision before the people on a regular basis. And this is actually what gives them the sustaining grace to keep coming back to prayer meetings and, uh, and to stay steady uh, for, for years. And that's really the intention. We don't want to just be building 
uh, prayer ministries where we're on constant um, recycle, where you know we get a few people and they're around for a few weeks or a few months, and then we got to get a new group of people because the last ones are burnt out. Really, the uh, the hope is that you'd be able to find those that could root into the place of prayer, and they've got all the necessary elements to be able to stay the course for years and years to come. <clears throat> so that's what this series really focuses on, the why and the how of vision casting. So in this first session, we're just going to talk about what happens when people don't have vision. <clears throat> and uh, and then we'll move on to some more of the practicals of what to do about it in the, the next couple of sessions. So right now, uh, just as things are, we're still uh, pretty embryonic in the prayer movement as far as how far along this thing is. There's coming a time when the idea of praying churches and praying people in 24-7 houses of prayer and those kinds of things will become commonplace. Uh, but right now, <clears throat> it's still uh, uh, mostly unknown. Uh, it's not seen as, a, as significant. Um, and there's, uh, there's actually great misunderstanding about what the house of prayer is, what it isn't. Uh, most leaders in the body of Christ don't have a clue what the house of prayer is. And when they hear about it, they're kind of, they just kind of scratch their head. It just doesn't make any sense to them. And then there's some that are, you know, uh, all for it. And even some that are all against it, but the majority, uh, just don't have any understanding about what the house of prayer is and therefore don't get its purpose or its value. And so it doesn't really show up on anybody's radar as far as, uh, being something that they should give their, uh, time or their attention or even their permission for their people to be a part of. <clears throat> so from the perspective of most people, what you're doing and what you're setting yourself to do as a house of prayer leader is the most obscure thing on the planet. And so nobody wants to do it. And so uh, the idea of um, of uh, being a house of prayer and not being understood by those around you and by other uh, ministries um, uh, is a bit difficult because it makes you trying to get momentum behind what you're doing Um uh, a bit countercultural because what you're doing is so obscure to all those around you. And so, uh, people will look at you often and, and wonder why you're giving your time and attention to this. Like you, you've got so much to give, you know, you're, you're young or you're, you're old, you've been in ministry a long time and you've got, you know, so much, like, why are you giving yourself <clears throat> to this thing? You've got so much else that you could be doing. <clears throat> and so it makes it a little bit difficult. And so it's important that we understand the difficulty of the charge isn't just uh, your difficulty. It's also the difficulty of everyone who's going to be a part of what you're doing. And so everyone who comes around to these prayer meetings is up against the same uh, um, problem, the same rigor. And that is people don't get it. Uh, it's difficult for them to talk about. Um, most people, you know, uh, just kind of brush it off. And so they're facing all those same challenges in uh, addition to all the challenges that are in their heart about trying to stay in a room and keep coming back to the place of prayer. <clears throat> so with all that, um, uh, in the second part here, I've got strengthening the church around you. Uh, it is super helpful for you to be able to figure out the best way to articulate the vision of the house of prayer so that you can talk to leaders around you. <clears throat> these can be leaders of churches. Uh, these can be business leaders. This can be, you know, leaders of families or leaders of small groups or leaders of whatever. Just the best, uh, thing for, for you in relating to those around you in other ministries is for you to be able to carry the vision of the house of prayer so deeply in your heart that you're able to articulate it well, uh, when you talk to people. And, uh, this is very helpful because it winds up turning uh, enemies to neutral, and it winds up turning neutral to friends, and it winds up turning friends to super friends. I mean, those that'll be very supportive of you <clears throat> because they they understand what you're doing. And so uh, if you can clearly communicate the why and the what of your ministry to other leaders uh, in the church around you, um, this will help bring people in. This will help uh, um, uh, get rid of some of the obscurity. And, uh, and it'll wind up having more people behind you, which will help finances, which will help a uh, total number of people involved. And it will reduce the number of people that are opposed to you that are causing you problems and headaches. And so this is a, this is actually part of the vision casting reality is you having the vision well enough that you can articulate what it is you're doing. And it, you don't have to give them the whole vision, but just to even have some components that you can talk about readily 
uh, to be able to uh, help other people who are in ministry around you uh, understand the value of what you're doing, or at least understand the the, the biblicalness of what you're doing. Uh, but most of the time, those conversations, you'll find yourself not having an hour-long conversation uh, with somebody where you're able to explain the whole hour. Most of the time, you'll find you're in passing, and you've got three minutes. And so figuring out a way to, in three minutes, articulate some point uh, of the house of prayer that actually has an, uh, an impact, a, a measure of uh, takeaway that somebody hears it and goes, oh yeah, I guess that does make sense. It, prayer is good. Prayer is in the Bible a lot. Wow, it does talk about night and day prayer. Some of those kinds of components. Well, while it's helpful if you can figure out a way to strengthen the church around you, it is your responsibility. It is necessary. It's a non-negotiable that you as the leader empower those in your midst to understand what you're doing. Uh, and so what this means is all those that are coming to prayer meetings or that you would like to be coming to prayer meetings that are kind of coming around your ministry in some sort of fringe way, uh, you need to help them get concrete in their spirit why they're doing what they're doing. Because the truth of the matter is uh, tough times are going to come. <clears throat> Naysayers are going to nay. Uh, problems are going to arise. Busyness is going to hit. And they are only going to keep praying if they have a significant foundation of why what they're doing actually matters and why it's important. And so the premise of this uh, whole series is that you as the leader have to expend a significant amount of energy in order to actually have the vision and then be able to clearly cast the vision to your community. And without you as the main leader, Having that vision clear and casting that vision well, uh, you will experience significant amount of attrition of people coming in <clears throat> and leaving. And uh, the scary part about that is a good portion of that is actually on you. Um, I can remember when we started, um, nobody told me uh, about any of this. I just kind of wrongly assumed that if God says start a prayer meeting and you start a prayer meeting, that everybody's just going to come and it's going to work and it'd be no problem. And so we started in 2005 and uh, I nobody told me how hard this was going to be, that this was going to be the most difficult thing ever to try to keep people engaged in prayer meetings on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I, I just assumed that uh, the hearts of people would just kind of acclimate and come to, uh, you know, hey, I want to be a part of this because it's God and it's good and it's prayer. And there was a little bit of that, but man, I was in for a rude awakening that so many people would start coming to prayer meetings because it was cool or because their friends were there or because it was God or because of whatever. And then they would stop and they wouldn't come back anymore. And the part that was uh, the 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 rude awakening, uh, I mean, I guess I could have figured that, you know, people were going to have a hard time keeping a uh, prayer schedule. The part that was a rude awakening was... I had no idea that there was anything that I could do as the leader that would either help or hurt that could impact in any way, whether people actually stayed around. And as I started to learn about the importance of vision casting, it shifted my perspective uh, greatly. And I started to realize so much of what happens in the hearts of those that come around is reliant on how we feed them. And if we're not giving them anything, uh, then that's actually our fault. And so, uh, so it's true that, uh, that if God tells you to start something that it will be, uh, sustained through, through you, as long as you keep saying yes, but you may find yourself alone if you don't cast vision. And so, yes, it's still sustained, but man, it's hard and it's small and it's broken. And I just want to say it again, very clearly, um, the, there is a significant amount of of power and impact that you can be making in either having people come and stay around or come around and leave based solely on you and what you're telling them and what you're giving them regarding uh, vision casting. So the uh, second part here, so we're in number two, top of page two, uh, the psychology of the human heart. Now, uh, it's just real that we've been designed in such a way, just as people, to respond to what happens around us. So you're driving down the road and, uh, you know, no one who uh, who has uh, learned how to drive needed to be told, if somebody pulls out in front of you, slam on your brakes. 
it's it's responsive. I mean, we're responding to things around us, uh, whether uh, you know things uh, you know in natural life or things in in the spirit or things from this angle, things from that angle. Uh, we have been <clears throat> designed to be responsive. Now, uh, when things are going well, we tend to respond pretty well. That's just kind of a general thing when we're all propped up and everything's working. Uh, we can put up with more. We, uh, we tend to respond, uh, pretty well. Um, but when things are tough, uh, we also have a tendency to respond to that. So the trick here, the, the, uh, the, the pivot point is to store up in our heart enough things to help us weather, uh, the difficulties so that our response is tempered instead of our response being knee jerk. And so, uh, you know, it's out of the, the, uh, the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks and we're to guard our heart as the wellspring of life. And these ideas really play heavily into the concept of vision casting because if we will plumb line ourselves and those in our ministry with truth, then when lies come against us, difficulty comes against us, opposition comes against us. When those things align themselves against us, we can resolve, we can, uh, um, draw from a reservoir of truth that helps us combat those lies, combats those difficulties, combats the busyness, combats all that stuff. We're, we're resolving uh, or we're, uh, resorting back to something that we have within called a reservoir of truth, the, the knowledge of God, the revelation of what it is that we're doing, vision. Uh, instead of responding to those difficulties. So, you know, the, uh, the opportunity comes up uh, to be able to do something, and it's something that you really want to do, but you've got a schedule conflict because of your prayer meetings. You've got something in you to be able to draw from that says, no, I've got to be at the prayer meeting because of fill in the blank. It's something that's really driving you. Well, that causes you to say no to the opportunity. But if you don't have that in your heart and the opportunity comes, now you're bitter that you have to go to the prayer meeting and miss the fun thing. Or you just say no to the prayer meeting and go do the fun thing. It's It really has everything to do with what was put into the heart before the trial came, before the opportunity, before the difficulty, before the busyness, before the accusation, before the persecution, before whatever uh, problem arose. The question is, what was put into the heart ahead of time? Because if you were plumb lined, then you're able to respond rightly to those situations instead of knee jerk react or have uh, ill fruit come forth. And uh, this is really the the very crux of uh, why vision casting is so important, because this isn't just a truth for you. This is a truth for every single person that comes around your prayer ministry. And if it's difficult for you to say no to the this or to the that, and if it's difficult for you uh, to overcome the you know, the tiredness and uh, wanting to hit snooze a bunch of times on the alarm when you're supposed to be getting up for the prayer meeting. If this is difficult for you, then I promise you it's difficult for those that are coming around to you. And that's just human, you know, psychology. It's just how it is. And so uh, part A here, uh, the word of God, I just, I love this Bible passage. It, you know, in fact, I don't know that I've done even a whole lot of study to see what else the Bible says about this point, because this verse just says it all, and it's been such a a truth for me for for years now. Um, but the Bible tells us that the default response of the human heart is uh, to stop doing the right thing, to stop doing the good thing, unless it's being fed clarity and vision and revelation about why the thing that they're doing is a good thing to keep doing. And so uh, I give you the King James Version and then the NIV Version as well. Where there is no vision, the people perish. NIV says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Both of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, translations are describing the reality of the human heart that is not being fed the vision not being continually fed the why behind the what, not being uh, instructed and and given um, uh, the uh, the uh, the message, the 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 direction, the vision, the outline, the why. Uh, the tendency is uh, King James says for the people to perish. I really like the way that the uh, the NIV reads. It says they cast off restraint. <clears throat> that idea of casting off restraint means. Um, but they don't feel like they have reason enough to continue to do the difficult thing. They feel like, 
you know, when the when the difficulty reaches a certain point, they just quit. They just say, I'm done with this. I, I am no longer going to restrain myself and do this or do that. Uh, it's a it's a casting off of restraint. You know, it's a a simple, you know, a application would be something we probably all heard just in church life. And that is people that don't have a real revelation for tithing. When their situation gets tough financially, you know, when they are out of work for a season or they're only making a little bit or they just had a major change or, you know, a major expense or whatever. If they don't have a real revelation for why and what the scripture says about tithing, then They'll typically stop tithing in order to be able to uh, navigate their finances. They're casting off restraint. They were restraining themselves before, but the difficulty wasn't that tough. And so now when difficulty strikes, now they stop tithing, they cast off restraint. And the real reason is they didn't even have a revelation before of why they were doing the thing that they were doing. Or what's more likely, and this is the the uh, the focal point for this uh, session, is What's more likely is they had the vision before, because otherwise, why would they have ever given 10% of their money the first time? They had a little bit of vision before, but they lost vision. And now it's a different season, or it's a different month, or it's even just a week later. They they no longer have revelation, and that revelation was actually what was keeping them restrained. And now they don't have that revelation anymore, and so the restraint is being cast off. Well, now imagine how this applies to People coming to prayer meetings, people committed to certain responsibilities, people, especially unpaid people, which the prayer movement is notorious for, is having people uh, helping and building the house of prayer that aren't receiving a finance, uh, a financial uh, compensation. And so part of, um, you know, the, the revelation that keeps people showing up to their job every day, even though they don't like the job. Part of the revelation is I get a paycheck if I keep doing this, and if I don't uh, show up, I don't get a paycheck anymore. So that's a bit of revelation that keeps people in restraint. But when you're talking about volunteer work and people come into prayer meetings, if they don't have a revelation today of why it is they're supposed to be in prayer meetings, they will stop being in prayer meetings. And this is uh, a tragedy that we as ministry leaders can avoid, should avoid, have a responsibility to uh, to sow into, to to help avoid. And, uh, and it's needless, but it is default. That's the, those are the two things. People casting off restraint or people perishing, people leaving the prayer ministry, people not coming to their prayer meetings. It is not necessary, but it is absolutely the default. And so we've got to address the default and find ways to be able to minister to, uh, to what's, uh, you know, going on. So, uh, Part B is an analogy I use. Uh, I just think it it helps us get the picture uh, of what's going on here. Imagine that every believer has a vision bucket. And so uh, somewhere in their inner man, they've got a bucket. And that bucket uh, is labeled vision. And you preach a good message on, you know, vision, why the house of prayer makes sense. And, and uh, you know, some, some aspect. And... Uh, they get a giant cup of water poured into that bucket. And now they've got vision fuel, if you will, in the bucket. But the problem is that bucket, everyone's, every single person, yours, mine, Mike Bickles, everybody, uh, has a hole in the bottom of the bucket. And it's a slow leak. I mean, it's not like it just all pours out at once. But the slow leak is actually uh, a little bit more uh, alarming because it means you can wind up being good to go today, and then if you don't do anything else to put any vision in the top of that uh, that bucket, you can wind up being completely dry on vision in just a little while. But it, because it was happening slowly, you weren't realizing that you were losing vision along the way. And so uh, each person in the ministry has got this reality, and the problem is that they're losing vision right now. I mean, Right now, I'm talking about your best friend. I'm talking about your spouse, you. You are losing vision right now. The ministry overall is losing vision right now. And so we've got to address this not once, not, you know, once a year. This is a constant uh, point that has to be addressed in order to be able to keep people engaged in the place of prayer because most people left to themselves will quit after a little while. And we've seen that. We've seen that I don't know how many times we're, People that weren't getting any vision, uh, they, you know, they liked the community. They, they liked the people. Uh, they, they kind of thought, you know, man, this is a fiery group or whatever. Um, but they weren't getting vision on a regular basis. 
Those other components weren't enough to keep them around long-term. Short-term, they worked really good short-term, but long-term without vision, they quit. They quit because they can't, <clears throat> they can't make sense of their here and now. And so why they're spending so much time and energy and gas money and missed opportunities, they can't make sense of why they're giving all that up because you constantly have to be pouring vision into them or they will lose vision. They've got a vision bucket. They came to the one-time deal. They came to the service. They said, yeah, I'll come. I'll sign up for a prayer meeting. They sign up for a prayer meeting. And then they don't come around anymore to anything. They don't get any vision from uh, any other sources. They're not feeding themselves, you know, uh, the vision uh, of the house of prayer or, or the value of prayer or the value of, of a, a life of devotion. And over the course of time, uh, they lose vision and they quit. And this is, this is epidemic in the prayer movement. I mean, this is, if we could keep everybody who joined the prayer movement, like across the globe, everybody who came in, if we could actually get them, if we just keep casting vision and we didn't lose one, the prayer movement right now would be on fire, would be massive and would be strong. The issue is there's so many that come in the front door and there's almost as many that are going out the back door. And the issue has everything to do with vision casting. So uh, nature of people is that they're pretty fickle and pretty easily set off course. And uh, in the, the midst of our culture, uh, you got to add busyness and brokenness and susceptibility to suggestion. And all of this equals uh, forgetting the vision quickly. So they have it. They say yes. They think it's a good idea. But time goes by and they have things come up against them and their brokenness uh, arises and uh, they they have others, you know, uh, speak against whatever it is they're doing and their own heart is bur uh, burning against it. And they need regular reminders of the value of what they're doing or they'll lose their way. And many times they'll even become embittered at the ministry because uh, of the the requirements that are being put on them or what are being asked of them. Um, and I'm talking about a ministry that just a minute ago, they were grateful for a ministry that just a little bit ago, <clears throat> they were like your top evangelist. They were telling everybody, this is awesome. This is great. This is the greatest thing. A lot of it really has to do with they've lost vision, but in the midst of life, um, it's not just that they lost vision. It's they lost vision and bad things were happening. People were speaking illy against it. They, they saw something on the internet. They, uh, their own heart was waging a war because they really wanted to go to the movie the other night, but they signed up for a prayer meeting, so they couldn't go to the movie that their friends were going to. All these things are happening, and there's a there's a war that's going on in their heart that vision is the artillery for the prayer movement to keep people in. And without that being cast, uh, people will often become better at the ministry that they were once grateful for. And so this is why it's so important to cast vision again and again and again. It's so important that we figure out how to do this uh, because uh, it's what fuels people to stay in the place of prayer and not just join it once and then bail. All right, <clears throat> part three, keeping yourself in the vision. We've got to understand that we as leaders are not uh, immune to this. Um, I've, uh, I've seen too many house of prayer leaders lose vision themselves, and then begin to devalue the place of prayer and become more readily willing to uh, change directions in ministry, to go a different direction, to quit, to to take a different opportunity, to move, to to whatever. I mean, if, if somebody's really got the vision for what it is that they're doing, they're plumb lined. I mean, they're, they're not going anywhere. Uh, they're, uh, they're going to stay the course, but that plumb lining isn't a one-time deal. Just like we've been talking about, it's a, a constant reality. So, uh, I can think of so many leaders of houses of prayer that I've known. I can think of many leaders in our own ministry over the years that if they weren't keeping their own heart in the vision, or if I wasn't helping cast it for them, that they just, they become dull to the message. They become distant and uncaring and unwilling uh, to, to be a part of it anymore. The very people that were so gung-ho, I mean, they were fiery and like all about it just a little while ago. Uh, and now uh, their their hearts are kind of waning from it. It's kind of like, yeah, I did that prayer thing. Yeah, I've done that. That was good. That was a good season of life. 
I mean, there is not one part of vision casting for uh, the house of prayer that uh, there's not one component of it that is a temporal and therefore dismissible vision casting point. All of them are eternal realities. All of them are uh, points that uh, you can't overcome by uh, the issues of life. The issue is people are losing vision. And so in order for you to stay in the hunt, you as the, the leader, I mean, if you're going to go plant this thing, and if you're going to have a responsibility to help others get the vision, you've got to figure out a way how to keep yourself in it. And uh, again, you don't want to give yourself too much time um, uh, between uh, injections, if you will, you know, p- putting a cup of vision in your own bucket uh, because uh, you yourself will lose uh, steam. And when that thing starts to get low, it shows up in your attitude. It shows up in uh, your uh, your desire to keep pushing the ministry forward. It shows up in the way that you treat people. It shows up in you know whether you want to be in the prayer meetings yourself or not. Uh, all of this. So it's really important that those who are called to build God a house of prayer uh, continue to cast vision for themselves and see to it that they are in the vision so that they can do this for the long haul. And I'll just say it. If you don't make it a, a, a mandate in your own life to keep the vision in front of you, and we'll talk about how that can be done in a number of ways, but if you don't make it a mandate in your own life to see to it that you are keeping yourself in the vision, you will lose your way and you will stop. And so that's a, that's just a, a weight that we have to understand. It's not enough that we said yes. In order to keep saying yes, we have to hear the why again and again. The reason you said yes to begin with, to build the house of prayer, was because you were given vision. That either came from a person or the word or the Lord or something. You've got vision in your heart about why to do it. And if you don't continue to cast that vision for yourself and keep it before you, then you will say no, just like you said yes. And so that's a, uh, this is the most foundational point to sustaining a house of prayer is the key leader keeping vision in their heart. Because as long as that key leader keeps vision in their heart, there will at least be one person in the prayer meetings, the key leader. And then that key leader can do things to help others come. But the house of prayer still exists so long as there's at least one person who will not relent on casting vision and keeping the vision themselves. It is the most foundational. It is the, it is the atom. It's the building block atom of the house of prayer. The main leader keeping the vision in their own heart so that they don't despise what it is that they're doing and that they can keep saying yes to the Lord. So what does this look like? Well, Part A, identify your vision. So, uh, you know, every house of prayer leader needs to be able to clearly talk about what the vision is that the Lord gave them for the ministry. And every ministry is going to look a little different. There's going to be a lot of pieces that are uh, overlap dynamics. But then there's going to be some uh, some uh, particular parts that are unique to that particular the house of prayer and to that leader. And that's fine. That's great. That's all the Lord. That's a part of the way that he gets his kingdom done. You need to be able to identify what your vision statement is. And I don't mean a written down vision statement that you, you know, thought of one time. I mean, if somebody asks you, why are you doing what you're doing? What is the house of prayer? You need to be able to tell them what the house of prayer is, why you're doing it. You need to be able to just boom, just shoot it out right then about what the vision is uh, for your house of prayer. And so that's important for every leader to be able to clearly talk about the vision that the Lord gave them for the ministry. If you don't have clear vision, if you can't do that right now, your ministry is already in trouble right now. You need to go into emergency mode. If you as the leader go, I don't know, I'm just doing it because it seems like a good idea. That that won't work. You're already in the red right now. I mean, your submarine's taking on water and you're going down. You need to figure out right now how you can uh, uh, get that clear. So actually sit down, spend time, write it out. Uh, Talk it out, create a vision statement that you are going to get written down, but that's just a starting point. You got to start to get this thing in you. If you don't know a good why, what you're, why you're doing what you're doing, and if you can't articulate it, being able to say it on the fly is key indicator of whether you really have the vision or not. Uh, Because, you know, if anybody asked you, why'd you marry your wife? You know, if you're a married guy, you would have an answer. You would, you'd be able to articulate very, it wouldn't be, oh, just, she said yes. Like, that's a terrible answer. You should have some reason that you could articulate, and it's, it would be very clear that you would, uh, why uh, you, you chose her, uh, because you'd be able to articulate that. 
Well, at the same time, uh, you need to be able to just let it roll right off of your tongue about what it is that you are um you know, thinking and why it is that you're doing what you're doing and what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and the vision about your ministry. So you need to get to a point very quickly where you're able to do that. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't have that right now, you're already in danger of quitting. And so uh, make that your top priority. Second, begin feeding yourself. Every house of prayer leader that wants to, to continue this path for decades or even for years needs to find ways to feed themselves on the vision, just like you would feed yourselves on food. If you don't, the great thing about uh, their analogy here about the, the vision bucket, it's very similar to eating. And that is, it doesn't matter if you eat a really, really big buffet meal, you will need to eat again. And if you don't eat again, if you just bank on, well, I ate that Chinese buffet six months ago. Why do I have to eat again? You will die. You will be a dead person in a very short period of time. And so you need to feed yourself regularly, just like you need to eat food regularly. You need to eat vision regularly. And uh, again, what we're going to do in the coming sessions is we're going to talk all about, I mean, I keep using the term, the vision, the vision, the vision. Well, what is it? What do I do? What do I feed myself on? That's what the next two sessions are. So um, so uh, with that, uh, you want to spend times of prayer asking the Lord for his vision for your house. Uh, that's a that's a great little starting point. Um, and if you don't, uh, you know, find ways uh, to uh, to feed yourself on the vision, uh, you will be losing ground uh, instead of strengthening yourself so that you can be a better leader, a more uh, intentional leader, uh, uh, one that has clarity and is able to call people into the vision. You will find yourself losing ground yourself and others around you losing ground. So spend times regularly praying that the Lord would give you vision. Lord, help me. Help me have the vision of what we're doing. Help me to know what it is that you're doing. Lord, speak to me right now and tell me what the vision is. Feed yourself on resources that will keep you in the vision. We'll talk about what some of those are um, in the future sessions. Uh, become well acquainted with IHOP's prophetic history. It's one of the most uh, plumb lining, setting resources available out there. We'll, we'll do a bunch of resources that we can uh, advise you know, in, in a future session, but I just want to, if you need a little starting point, I want to strongly encourage that you become well acquainted with, not having listened to it once, well acquainted. You can talk about the stories and reiterate what happened and why and understand all the nuances. Become well acquainted with IHOP's prophetic history because of, uh, it is not just a, uh, history lesson of the International House of Prayer. It is a, a proclamation and a, a uh, banner in the ground, stake in the ground um, for the prayer movement in the earth. And so while the prayer movement in the earth, while those stories had to come forth from someplace, uh, it is not in any way limited to IHOP Kansas City. It, that series, Encountering Jesus, IHOP's Prophetic History, is significant to every leader in the prayer movement anywhere. And it is so important that we uh, we know what it is that the Lord is saying about the prayer movement in this hour. It would be very, very helpful. Well, lastly, and then we'll do a little bit of time of Q&A, is uh, going to strengthen your message. You know, uh, I always tell our teachers, anybody that starts teaching, that the default is for you to be a bad communicator. That's That's how you start. Uh, uh, not effective communicator, <clears throat> you know, not bad, but just, uh, ineffective, um, that your, your clarity on the message starts off pretty poor, that your ability to articulate that, that your understanding of some of the terms that you're using, you, I mean, you may be using the term one up, but your, your understanding of those terms is going to start off weak. That's normal. That's fine. That's great. Start off in kindergarten, go to first grade, then second, and eventually you'll get to fifth, tenth, and you'll graduate high school. But you got to get, you got to go through the process. And so it's important for every house of prayer leader to recognize the great need to strengthen their message. And the only way that that happens is to give the message again and again and again and again. And so by default, you'll start off pretty bad at this. But talk to people about the vision often. Side conversations, small group settings, whenever you got a microphone in front of your hands, find ways to cast the vision again and again and again, and you get clarity on it. Just like you got better at anything you started off bad at that you did a thousand times. I guarantee you, you were better at the end of that thousand times than you were at the beginning. And so just keep doing it. It's crucial. 
uh, that you get to a place where you can speak in a way that makes sense to people. We're the leader. You're the one God called. If God's calling you, you have to be the mouthpiece. I just think about Moses and Moses going, I've got a stutter issue. And the Lord's like, I will overcome that. You just need to keep saying yes. If you will say yes, I will overcome your stutter. I will help you. I will equip you and anoint you. But to be the Lord's um, uh, point person for a ministry means you've got to be able to articulate the message. You have to be able to call people. You have to be a messenger. It's not enough. I've heard uh, some people ask me before that are far more administrative and they don't really think that they've got a preaching gift or a teaching you know, capacity. And maybe they don't have much. And I've heard people ask me before, well, is it enough that you know, if I'm the leader that I just have somebody else be the primary vision caster? My answer is no, it's not enough. You have to be the primary vision caster. It doesn't mean you start off with perfect clarity, but you've got to get clarity on the message. It's essential because people are always going to be looking to you because you're the leader. And if you can't tell them and keep them uh, in, in the place of prayer, if you can't tell them the vision in a way that empowers their hearts, then they're going to be looking elsewhere. They're going to be going elsewhere. And, uh, and that's not helpful. So always be looking for ways to fine tune your message. Okay, well, we'll take a, a few questions if there are any. So, anybody got, yeah. Okay, so you were talking about in your early failure times and such, uh, when people were kind of giving up, leaving, all of that. Like, what was like the first thing that was like, aha, you know, those aha moments that it had to do with vision? Like, how did you know that? Great question. Uh, in the early days, uh, when people were leaving, what was it that kind of uh, uh, began to help indicate to me that the issue of people leaving actually had to do with vision uh, as opposed to, you know, whatever else? Uh, great question. Um, I would think that probably for me, it came down to after I watched dozens of people leave, I mean, dozens, and all for different reasons. Like it wasn't always the same, you know, I, I, cause I'd do the best I could to figure out, you know, well, why is this person, you know, leaving or why don't they want to come back? Or why won't they return my phone calls? You know, uh, I'm trying to do the best I can to figure out what's going on. And, uh, and their answers were all different. One, it, it, you know, for some it was, Oh, well, my work schedule changed, but I mean, they could have just come on a different day. So their work schedule really wasn't the issue. You know, for another person, it's, uh, well, the drive is too far. Well, but they were making the drive before. So the drive really isn't the issue. Uh, you know, and there was just constant, I mean, there was so many reasons and it took, I mean, I'm a little dull, so it probably took me longer than it should have. I, I, I mean, there were dozens and dozens of people before it started to hit me that the, the issue was vision. And I think probably I must've come across this verse, you know, I must've come across the, the, uh, the verse in, um, in Proverbs 28 that, you know, says we're out without vision. The people cast off restraint. It was either I came across that verse or the idea hit me as I was pondering, you know, why do people keep leaving? And all the answers are different. If it was a, if it was all the same answer, like the snacks taste bad, well then just change the snacks. And then all of a sudden everybody comes around. Or if it was, you know, well, it's all, if everybody's answer was it's too far a drive, well then then try to get people that are close as opposed to people that are far. But the issues were all different. And I just started to look at the common thread is none of these answers make sense. They're all excuses. That was what hit me is I, I came to the realization. And again, I'm sure I had this verse, you know, swirling in me somehow. I mean, I, I'd been reading Proverbs for a while. Um, but somewhere in there, the reality was these are all excuses because they were saying yes before. And they could overcome this obstacle, but they're not. Why? And what caused them to come the first time? And what caused them to come the first time in those early days, the main reason, I know this isn't, uh, this isn't healthy. This is not how you want to build your house of prayer, but it is what was happening then. The majority reason people were coming to prayer meetings uh, uh, that would come for the first one, two, three, four times had everything to do with how radical they felt by getting up at four o'clock in the morning to be at a 5 a.m. prayer meeting. They felt radical. They felt like they were doing something for Jesus. And so people were mostly coming because they felt radical. Well, radical wears off after you've done it a few times. Now it's normal. Now it's not radical anymore. Now it's not this radical gift to give to the Lord anymore. Now it's, you know, well, I've been doing it. And so, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And so uh, if, but the whole thing is 
their vision for why they were coming was it's radical. So as long as the radical vision had juice in it, then people were able to sustain. But when that ran out and it, and it was, oh, this isn't radical anymore. I don't even care that it's radical. It doesn't even register. Then they stopped. And so that's when I started to realize we've got to, we've got to give them more reasons. We've got to give them more clarity. It can't just be, uh, the, the two week long, uh, uh, you know, supercharge of I'm radical, uh, cause that really will wear out fast. So we've got to give them more, uh, long term sustaining, um, reasons to stay in the place of prayer. So great question. Any others? Saw that you had another hand. Yeah. Um, what, what has been like the biggest reason that you've seen people leave? Like, has there been like one main thing or a couple main things? Yeah. Um, the, the biggest reasons that people say, I'll say it that way. Um, the biggest reasons that people say are probably, uh, that, um, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to change the way that I'm saying that the majority of people that leave don't tell you why. And the reason they don't tell you why is because their reason, they know their reason is weak. And so they don't want to have a conversation about it. And so, uh, honestly, um, at least these days, I'm just thinking about, cause we do a pretty good job of vision casting now. Um, these days when people leave, uh, most of them that are leaving on, on, you know, good terms, which, you know, a lot of them do, they've actually got pretty good reasons. You know, they took a job in another state or they've got this, or they've got that. Um, uh, the, the ones that leave that will tell you why they leave. That's what I mean. The ones that leave now that will tell you why they're leaving. Many of them actually have good reasons. Most that are leaving, they don't actually, they don't even tell you. They just stop coming. They just, they duck and they, they avoid, um, they stop coming around and then they don't really talk about it with anybody. And they don't really give any room for anybody to ask the question because they know in their heart that their reason really doesn't deal with any of the issues. It's an, it's an excuse. And so rather than wanting to talk about that, they don't. So the majority of the people that leave actually don't give you a reason. They just leave and then stop returning your phone calls. And, uh, and the majority of the people, uh, that will tell you why they're leaving, uh, at least at this point, um, I'd say a majority of them have fairly good reasons, not maybe not great reasons, but fairly good concrete reasons. And, and those reasons would vary, I mean, person to person, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would say probably, uh, the majority, they don't tell you anything. They just stop coming around cause they don't want to have the confrontation. They're just, they're bored in their heart or they're, they're upset or they, they're looking for those other things. And so they, uh, they don't want to have the conversation about it. So good question. Maybe take one or two more. Yeah. Have you found that those that have like more commitment within your prayer room or less commitment within your prayer room can just stick around? Like those that get involved in some degree, like take on a prayer meeting or those that just like come and sit. Like, have you seen that if they have more responsibility, it helps them or if they have less responsibility, it helps them stay. So the question is, uh, Regarding the amount of responsibility and involvement, if somebody has a lot of involvement or somebody only has a little bit of involvement, are there any trends between uh, whether having more or less involvement tends to keep people around? Yes, there are definitely trends. Having more involvement always keeps people around um, because they are uh, they're in the community. They're able to build relationships. They're uh, they're actually sharing a piece of the responsibility, which just allows everybody to feel like they're doing something. Um, because they're around more, they're exposed to more vision casting, even if it's just a little here, a little there. Um, when they're around more, they've, uh, they've already made it a priority in their life. So they're they're in order to be able to keep, you know, uh, uh, six hour a week commitment versus a two hour a week commitment, uh, in order to keep that six hour a week commitment, they really had to like move some things around in a significant way. And they will be less likely to just stop that. Uh, we even see that with people who do our internship, people sign up for an internship. That's a significant level of commitment. And at the end of the internship, their commitment's done, but we'll see many of them maybe reduce their commitment a little bit, but still keep a significant chunk, way more than one prayer meeting a week. 
They'll actually come to the encounter services and do this and do that, maybe sign up for three or four prayer meetings and be willing to help out in this and that. And a lot of it has to do with the more commitment level that they're in, uh, the more tendency it is to stay committed. And so I very much encourage people who are leading prayer ministries to uh, try to help graduate out those that have a a very entry-level measure of commitment, try to help them get to a larger measure of commitment. Um, And... Uh, you know, but that doesn't mean that those that have uh, a larger level of commitment won't move on. I mean, we've definitely seen that. We've seen people, you know, take jobs or move or, or leave, you know, mostly on good terms, some on bad terms. Um, you know, so it, it can happen. Uh, but as far as the, you know, uh, the ratio, definitely, I'd say those that are around more will tend to stay around more. And those that are around less, uh, they typically don't last long. Um, typically, well, there are a few exceptions, but typically they don't last long because of the issue of vision. They're not getting it from any angle. Um, and so as a result of that, then uh, they don't have continual fuel uh, for, for what they're doing. All right, we can do one more and then we'll, we'll transition. Yeah. So when you, in the early days when you had the revelation, like, oh, they need vision, what, was, what did you immediately implement to cast vision? Um, so we'll spend a session talking about a lot of the different, uh, ways to cast vision. Um, but in the, in the beginning stages, when we first started to realize that everybody's got a vision bucket and there's a hole in it, what do we do? The first thing I started doing was preaching vision. I mean, the first thing I started doing was, uh, teaching on vision, uh, you know, as best as I could. And it would be, you know, maybe I'd do something like, you know, once a month, be intentional to do a vision casting teaching as opposed to, you know, an instructional teaching. Uh, so something that would be in, intentionally aimed at helping people who, uh, who were around, um, be able to have the vision and keep the vision, uh, as a, as a kind of a starting point. And so, um, so the, I would say, uh, for anybody who's finding themselves in the situation where they're not doing anything vision casting wise, uh, start something tomorrow. Like even if it's no good and it's not all that helpful, you can always make it better. But I would say start something tomorrow. And, and uh, the easiest thing would be to start teaching on it because what that does is it casts the vision to the people, but you teaching on vision gives you the vision. So it's a double whammy and that's a big deal because then you're able to get it yourself. And really in order to be able to teach it, you got to have way more clarity than the people uh, are going to get when you teach it. I mean, they're going to get, you know, at a level one and you're going to get it at a level five because you had to study it and meditate on it to be able to communicate it. And then you taught it, which means now you're saying it again, as opposed to just preparing for it. And so you'll get the vision in you as well as being able to cast the vision, uh, to those uh, that are a part of the community. And so that's a huge win as far as a starting point. So definitely a great question. Thank you again for tuning in to this session of the House of Prayer Leadership Podcast. We're so thankful to Brad Stroop and the Prayer Room in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas for providing this content for us to equip you. We would love for you to also check out the Presence Pioneers Podcast, which exists to help you and your community host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. God bless.